Sunny 16 presents. back everyone to another episode of the music and photography podcast i'm billy sanford and today i'm excited to be talking with mark wellsford hi mark how are you doing i'm doing absolutely fantastic thanks <laughs> yeah absolutely I, i'm i've been looking forward to this because i know you are one of the folks in the community who i know have a deep appreciation of both of these things music and photography that that we love Absolutely. It's been years of listening to others on all the photography podcasts and some of them mentioned that they're into music as well. And all of a sudden I can just, I feel like it's just, you can completely relate to every next word they say. <laughs> the two, the two, uh, two art forms cross over pretty hard, oddly. Yeah, they do. So in terms of me and you being connected on social media, a couple of years ago, I think it was 20. 21 well it was christmas it may have been slightly after maybe january of the next year i don't know but my my nephew had gotten a new guitar and i'd been over at his house on christmas day and took a picture and and i posted that picture later on and said hey here's my nephew trying to figure out how to play yeah, yeah. uh seven nation army and and you commented on that picture and mentioned what the notes were so that was very kind of you i appreciate that <laughs> i love seeing the next generation uh, hop on board it's uh it's everything I mean. exactly and so you know i knew you had a little bit of formal experience in dealing with that scenario where a teenage kid is looking to try and hammer out as one of his favorite songs on the guitar and and I do want to ask you about that teaching experience here shortly, but I thought maybe we'd start all the way back at the beginning or or as far as I understand it. I, I think you mentioned before that you that initial kind of spark of guitar for you was seeing the Smashing Pumpkins on television. Is that right? Yeah, that's that's exactly what it was. I think that was 93, 94, something like that. Saturday night Saturday Night Live sitting up, sitting with my brother, watching it. Didn't have any musical kind of ideas. There's no guitar buying. And I think it was just the solo in one of the songs. And I remember just looking over at them and our, both of our mouths were just kind of mouth breathing, staring at each other. It's like, I think we need to get a guitar. <laughs> so, yeah. So our older brother, his friend had one. It was a bit of a, like a Gibson Explorer, black and white knockoff. And he had it in his closet. That's where it started with just kind of catching somebody else that inspired uh, without meaning to. It was just absolutely, uh, it, was, it wasn't a case of like, man, do I want to be this guy? I wonder what kind of shirt he's wearing. It was just like the, the feeling 
uh, from music for the first time that hit us that hard. I think I, I grew up with music around me, you know, like loads of it. My parents, right? Like, m- m- the majority of the people in my family played piano and well, and I just kind of uh, they kind of you know try to usher me down that path a little bit as as much as you know just introducing it. There's pianos all over the place, and and I just didn't take. I used to love kind of hammering away on my grandfather's Hammond B3 organ. That, uh, B3. Oh, yeah. <laughs> those, were, you know, those were kind of new and crazy electronics back then, I guess. <laughs> I know, back when it was, you know, yeah, I don't know, that would have been like 80, 1980, something like that. Okay. I, was, I started seeing when I was like four or five, I started, I remember, you know, just, I'd gone through the photo albums of my parents and I'm, there's photos playing all the uh, pianos and keys, but it just never pulled me. I think it was kind of thought these things over a little bit over time now having it's i think it was honestly i just uh i don't like doing things in front of people uh right they can do them well i guess so self-conscious but it just allows me if i'm not around people to just be in my own head and sink into the instrument and and having the piano having been basically a, a big piece of furniture in our living room where everybody else was good at it and they're all kind of you know <laughs> it just didn't draw me to it i would plink a couple notes and walk away but right when we got a guitar in our hands it was like i could just shut i must have been was it 14 15 15 i was 15 when i started okay it just you could just go to your room close the door nobody heard you i started right. on, i started on bass guitar so you can really be quiet with that. You just don't plug it. <laughs> and, you know, and then I would, uh, I would, I would slowly upgrade to the like leaning the head of it on my wall mm-hmm. when I was sitting on the couch, so that it would resonate through the uh, drywall. Right. Okay. A bit louder. <laughs> and you know, you have to be pretty bold uh, to plug an amp in for the first time too, because it can be intimidating and I, I i see that look on people's faces when they first get an instrument in their hands and and i think that's it i try to look think back to when i first got one in my hands and just being completely uh, in love with it and completely lost with it i just didn't know you don't know what to do i just slid my finger up the string and i slid it back down <laughs> and anything that can give me that much joy by doing mm-hmm. that and not a sliver oh it was that was you just get hooked and yeah uh, but it was all self-taught, no formal lessons or anything. Oh no, we had a we had my brother and I. Uh, when, once we uh, started, we went up to the local music store and they had a teacher. Um, okay. In the back there, and we started taking lessons. He just started playing bass, I guess, a couple of weeks before I started <laughs> going to him. He was just always staying a week or two ahead of me. Right. We we, uh, we got along really well. I still uh, speak to him. He's uh, he's got a place out in BC, a guitar store, and. But yeah, it was, uh, we both went in with him. I was in for a couple of years, like, can't remember how long, but it was a lot of just without the uh, interwebs for all the guitar tabs and all the music. And all I was doing was like just trying to track down Guitar World magazines and cut out all the all the songs in the back so I could learn them. Right. Learn them by ear. But yeah, it was, that was the only way to, I just walked into my lesson. I'm like, look, you got to teach me this song. I need this. <laughs> I need this this week or I'll probably die. And so he's, I think he always had a bit of music theory or some sort of thing he wanted to get into me. And I'm, I'd just be shaking, waiting for him to write down the song that I wanted. It just, it, you know, so I, I kind of missed out on that formal training, all right. the theory and the understanding of it. 
and my ears just got the uh, best of me. And, you know, it, it was a great advantage to be able to play by um, without understanding what I was doing. Right. That's awesome. It's like, uh, it's a free pass. It just goes. But I, I never really dug into why things worked the way they did. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, the, fir- the first time I ever really understood the difference between a major and a minor was sitting next to a producer at a sound console going, he's like, you play that note. I was like, what do you mean? That's a, that's a minor third over a major. I have no clue what you're talking about right now. I've heard, I know the words, but I, I don't know how they, and that was just, don't hit the wrong notes. Right. Kind of an approach. And that I think led, well, I don't want to get too far ahead, but that essentially led to me wanting to get into understanding because I felt like a bit of an imposter on stage. I was just somebody who could memorize songs and dance about. Right. And that's kind of, I started, like, you know, you get that in your head halfway through a set that some guy who was really knowing that you you don't know what you're doing is at the back of the, <laughs> and that guy was at the show all the time. <laughs> right. Right. Well, I, I was going to ask you about your ear and, and if you were able to, did you learn that way also? Did you have the good ear for it? You could just yeah. hear something and eventually figure it out? Yep. Yeah. It's a, it's a great advantage, but it's have, uh, having taught for a while now, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a great thing and it's not a great thing, actually, uh, in the way that a lot of the students, including myself when I was younger, when you pick up things that easily, you get really frustrated when you actually do hit a wall. Just, you will. No, it's impossible not to find something challenging eventually that really blows your mind. And right. you just go, oh, well, ah, that's, you, you're not used to putting in that bit of work and shoving through it. And you kind of just go for the low hanging fruit and you're <laughs> dodging theory, you're dodging, like, you know, it, it's great because it gets you up and playing with friends. And right. You know what? I I wouldn't trade that in for anything. That was that was the whole purpose. Right. I, well, the whole purpose was playing along with CDs in my bedroom <laughs> unwashed. <laughs> well, that's what the purpose was. And then it just kind of upgraded quickly to if I can play with a CD, I bet you I could play with people. You know, this is a uh, right. So you I, get to you get together and you and you start playing with some friends and and. Initially, that's all it is. Hey, let's get together and play some music. But then somebody decides to, hey, let's book some gigs. Yeah, well, that's exactly was uh, it was the, I, they the band I got together with. There was two guys, and one of them had recorded mm-hmm. his own CD. It played all the bass, drums, everything recorded all. Headed down to LA and met up with some people, and they just said, basically, this is fantastic. Go put a band around it. So we came back to Ottawa and found us uh, put two of us in and so i was just kind of learning their stuff like you know just having fun jamming along his or his cd and uh after a couple of weeks it was just the words came out of his mouth he's like so i got us a gig <laughs> like i thought I, this was a basement thing man like <laughs> i never sincerely never imagined it was going to leave a basement i thought that's what you did that's what i did with my friends we jammed in the basement and hang out and I was just, I wanted to do it, but make songs with people. And right. And naive to not think that was going to go or at least get a gig, but it's, it's a funny <laughs> art, art form for generally, I find a lot of musicians uh, and photographers to be uh, very introverted. So, right. when you, you know, you're 
you, you hide away in your room, you learn this instrument, and you get this stupid guy in your head saying, you know, what would be fun? <laughs> other people. And the next thing you know, you're working four nights a week, staring at a couple hundred people going, I don't know if this is for me. I love the music part of it, but <laughs> my nerves are shot. Right. And that's kind of what got, you know, eventually at the end of stuff, it was, uh, that was the nerve thing and being in bars four or five nights a week, every night from seven till two in the morning. And it's, turns out it's a bit of a toxic environment. <laughs> you know, so. Right. It was just, yeah. So that was too much. And that wasn't the, uh, the direction I wanted to go in music anymore. Right. Um, I, I, I can understand that. So yeah. you, we, we alluded to it at the beginning. So you, you know, playing in a band live and doing gigs, large or small, that is one way to kind of supplement your income or it can be yeah. your full-time job as a musician, but you have found another way to make music be a part of, you know, paying bills through teaching other people. And so what, yeah. how, how did you get into that and kind of how does that work or how has it gone over the years teaching people? It was, it was what, it was a huge part of the reason I did stop. But yes, the mm -hmm. being at bars every night was a toxic, kind of a lackluster, eventually jaded kind of a, it ruined the music for me because uh, we were playing covers most of the time. Right. So we, we started as an original band and then after a little while, we kind of all looked at each other going like, you know, like if, you, if we can do this in bars full time, if anyone wants to not get a real job, we could do this. Right. And so about a hundred Irish songs later, we're playing every Irish bar within a week, <laughs> every night of the week and right. uh, doing beer tours and all that stuff. So that kind of burned it out of us. And I, it also, you know, the toxic part, uh, I, I think it wasn't so much an intervention, but a friend of mine who used to be on stage with us all the time, he came up and he gave me a call one night saying, there's this lady uh, just outside town that I'm, uh, she's just opened a music school, uh, it's about 20, 30 minutes out of town in a small town and uh, you should go give her a call. And uh, that was the first time anyone, you know, mentioned like teaching because you don't really feel much value in the teaching world when you know you're you just feel like you're a bar star you know you're just right. like, you're playing the menu venues every night you know like i don't remember learning the majority of it i don't think i know how to explain it right so that's probably however i did i have kids of my own so i, I can easily get down on their the kids levels and mm -hmm. try to remember as how I felt when I first started, try to get into their heads a little bit. But right. after, after the first week, my wife said she'd never seen me so happy. And the, the car <laughs> ride home, calling her on the way home, just absolutely uh, lit my brain on fire because I was watching kid after kid or adult after adult feeling those feelings I remember from back in the day. And I just got to sit back and enjoy it all day. Right. It, it was crazy. I really think I like this. And we started teaching bands. Uh, like students who were further along, we created mm -hmm. uh, create a band, garage band program, which is um, uh, teaching one uh, in a little while. It's it, yeah. it, I spent a lot of time here. <laughs> this is my mm -hmm. home. home. <laughs> it's so I did. I, I started coming out here. Uh, one, I and I took four students one night, and she didn't want to overwhelm me. So right, come in for four students. We'll try that out. 
And I just loved it. So she's, you know, I'll give you another day, give you another day. I just kept filling up until I was literally full time again all week, uh, right. 10 to 12 students a night. And okay. just never, never burned me out. I'm way too, I don't know if you can tell by the constant verbal diarrhea, but I, <laughs> that just don't stop. So I can Thanks. just, I'm in my element when I'm just talking for six, seven hours a day to people. <laughs> Right. Well, it was, and you, and you, you sort of alluded to it. I was going to ask you about that because, you know, it is one thing to enjoy music, enjoy playing music, getting that kind of personal satisfaction out of playing an instrument and playing a song you like, but that I, I imagine it does take it to a whole nother level when you're able to help somebody else achieve that. And, and much like photography, I guess as well, the, I mean, nobody comes to me to learn either one of these things, but the the one or two times in my life I've been able to kind of help somebody get over some sort of hump with something they were trying to learn to enjoy. I mean, it's it's a really uh, gratifying feeling, would you say? Oh, goodness, yes. It's it change. Uh, it really really does change people. It gives them the confidence once they start proven to themselves they can learn something that they thought they couldn't and they see that snowball effect and it just I mean the snowball effect in learning the instrument itself but the snowball effect in learning to learn that was the best compliment I ever received from a student and he said like I've learned so much here but it's like I gotta tell you like the, the best thing I learned from you was I learned how to learn and just mm -hmm. I guess breaking things down and and figuring out that you know when I first started playing, the reason I think I stuck with it was because I realized that if you just repeat something enough times, you'll get it. And so in my head, I was like very obsessive, compulsive kid who just got locked onto things mercilessly. And I just, yeah, I would just get so hooked onto that. Yeah, I was just got sidetracking with it. They do get so much. And when I see the students here, coming out and having confidence sitting down and just picking up a guitar on a couch downstairs and playing it as opposed to being in my room up here kind of working hard on something or they're, I mean, they're always struggling when they're across from me here <laughs> it's always something new i've given them <laughs> so it's it's incredible right. they walk by and they're just waiting for their parents and they picked up a guitar and they're just strumming and the first time i saw that i was like you're playing like yeah, yeah. Playing. like no like i mean you're not yes yeah, sorry i in that moment, I realized <laughs> I generally see people struggling <laughs> all day long. <laughs> I forget about the other end of it where, yeah, they do go home and they get that time with the instrument that I, uh, it's everything sometimes. It's, it's, it's small accomplishments. It's challenging yourself. It's, it's, it's so everything to some people, music just in general, but they've chosen to use the guitar for their voice. Right. I do see some students in here who are guitar players. I see some students in here who are just simply musicians and it doesn't matter what instrument you put in front of them. It's just another way to express it instead of a pencil. It's yeah. It's I wanted, yeah, I wanted to ask you something sort of similar to that and also maybe similar to the good ear question, which was, you know, cause you do interact with a lot of people who are trying to learn and master these things do you 
what's your kind of take on the difference between nature and nurture versus somebody, you know, maybe somebody who has a natural skill for it versus somebody who maybe has less natural innate talent, but they just grind away and work hard at it. I mean, kind of what has been your experience dealing with those two different types of people? It's the dude that I get a lot of people with the, I don't feel like I can do this naturally. So I'm probably not going to be able to do this. I think anyone that spoke to that didn't have a natural ear for it felt that it was not unfair, but they just, they know how much work they put into something naturally. So it doesn't seem like a big thing. If you give somebody with a natural ability, that other person's work ethic, they'd be shocked going, well, you really grind. Like, wow, I would have gotten up after the first swing and like you went for another hour. That's insane. Uh, <laughs> I I don't know. I think every different, you can come at it from either side. I, I mean, I think it, the fun part is you get to play earlier right away if you have an ear for it. That's fantastic. And something in that will keep people playing. It's just the carrot in front of the cart. It's like, wow, like every time I try to get something, it just happens. And then that makes me happy and I get a dopamine hit. And I think I'll try more tomorrow. Whereas if your day was just grinding and you feel like you didn't make it, that that stinks. But the payoff on those ones, the you you can see that hit when they're sitting across from you and it's either a, a thought that makes sense or something clicks and you can see it just fa- like facially, they just kind of this the furrow loosens and they just their mouth hangs, they go, Oh my god. And you're like, Yes, like now you get to go home with that thought, like you this is another door you've opened and so it's hard to feel out who gets what out of it because not i don't know the other side of it other than from who i've spoke to and they i can i'll give you one really good example is i with the turn my mind around about how people can enjoy music I always just assumed it had to be obsessive because that's how I was. Uh, how could you enjoy it when you're not just 120% into it? All you can think and sleep and do is think about music, guitar. That's it. It doesn't shut off. It fulfills everything. I feel great about it. How else would you learn without being obsessed and playing six hours to eight hours a day? How is it possible? You've been playing for two months and you haven't really, you know, uh, but I had a father-son that started with me 15 years ago he started and they were with he was with me for seven eight years we came we became really close and his playing he got what he got out of it it was really difficult always to play along with stuff timing just i i rarely bump into somewhere it just doesn't eventually even the simplest of rhythms lock right so I, I was just devastated for him because he loved being here and his son was taking another lesson and they were playing at home and, but i realized like i was jealous of that relationship of them coming in all the time and getting <laughs> in and like playing and i always that thinking of them going home with new stuff to work on was always like that gives you that like christmasy warm feeling it's like yes like this is awesome and and i realized he's from what I could tell, maybe he's going home and screaming at his guitar, but from what I could tell, he just, he got the same joy out of it that I did, but right. it didn't matter. And it really kicked me in the butt and made me kind of 
sort of stop and smell the roses, like enjoy what you have. Right. It's, it's a great, it, you know, push to have the guy in the back of your head always, as, as most artists do. I, I know I meet real musicians when they're musicians when they're, you know, crippled by self doubt. <laughs> and, <laughs> right. You know, so it's, oh, yeah. Uh, I don't know. It's, uh, it feels like that's probably one of those one of the many areas where music and photography cross over. If it, you know, I, I think a lot of people kind of question the quality of what they're producing. I think. Do you feel like that's accurate? I yeah, absolutely. You kind of just being able to push yourself and get really mad. You're like always down on yourself to push yourself to be better. I think there is a stopping point where if you're if you're always leaning that way, you're gonna not ever be able to enjoy it. Uh, right. Is and just sit back and go, like you're, you can play now. That's, that's great. It's been thirty something years. I remember when I've been playing for a year, like a couple months even. My brother and I look at each other, going like, "Oh my god, wait, wait till we've been playing for a year. Imagine a year, two years. Imagine <laughs> two years. just freaking out, going like, we just do this every day. You know, it was." It was obsessive, and anytime I messed up at shows, it was just beat myself up with the all the way home and going, but not in a way that I I think I actually believed it. But it was one of those like you need to go home and fix that. So I would go play a gig for three four hours, and I'd go home and almost like a punishment, sit there and just play it, play it, play it <laughs> all night. Like it would just drive me crazy. So it's you really got to loosen up when it's something you love, right? And sit back and go just like you're gonna lose you're gonna miss it you're gonna miss this ride and that's what i think i was doing and now i'm sitting back and kind of i'm pushing myself still it's hard to to do it i don't want to make myself feel bad (laughs) (laughs) it's not great you know so i'm trying to really enjoy what i have do some recording and just reaching out to friends that want to play and stuff and i've been doing that here meeting it's crazy it's a music school you would you wouldn't think you would always meet musicians (laughs) <laughs> but some of the coolest meetings I've had are people like recently I had a somebody come in who never played bass before and he wanted bass lessons and mm-hmm. turns out he was actually the drummer in a pretty big band in this area, but he just want he moved stop playing and now the two of us are, you know, Friday nights, Saturday nights, uh, getting together also and just jamming and playing for the original fun of it all. All right. That's been huge for me. I've it's, Yeah. Yeah, just to sit down, play, and uh, for no other reason. It, okay. For me, that's hard because we we toured, or I mean, we toured, recorded. It was just, that was the whole point the whole time. It was always like, okay, next, what are we doing with it? And right. I've taken such a big break from really playing with others because I know that what will happen. <laughs> I'll, I'll be back out. Right. Like, well, why are we doing it then? kind of mentality like if we're not going to go do something with what we're playing for fun i got stuff to do i've got five years. <laughs> <laughs> you know that's right so it's carving some time for the things that unfortunately sometimes become trivial right due to pandemics or due to big family issues you a lot of the arts and unfortunately the for me the photography one took the back seat first because it just uh it involves like moving (laughs) (laughs) you know i I could you know i i could sit on the couch for hours kind of just being in the winter gloom up here and so it was just getting up and getting out and taking my camera with me but i uh, 
happy to say I did that this morning. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually out and about getting some nice walking, and we're just, uh, it's the gray months. Yeah. So yeah. It's, uh, it's, not ins- it's not as inspiring, but that's why I'm here. The music balances, you know, if you can't, if I'm not feeling photography, that music's there to, to fill the hole. And then, like I was saying earlier, it kind of does feel like a tipping ship one way or the other. Like, full out photography thinking I, I'm obsessed with it every day. I'm selling guitars to buy lenses and filters. <laughs> and then the next day I'm like, oh my God, what have I done? I just want to play this new song with the jazz master. I need to go get that. And I'll sell three or four cameras and go buy it. It's just ridiculous back and forth. But uh, right. it's kind of the spice of life, isn't it? It is. <laughs> so so one of the one of the other kind of crossover topics, I think, and this is something uh they talked about recently on the main Sunny 16 show had to do with style. And, and it occurred to me, you know, this is, this is another one of those things that can apply to photography and music, right? I mean, yeah, that's one of the questions I wanted to ask you kind of what are your thoughts about style? Does everyone have one, but maybe not everyone's is unique. Is it something you've ever, is it something you intentionally try to develop in your music or photography, a distinctive style? Or do you think style is just a word we use to describe what comes out of us naturally? Just- uh, that, I think, yeah, that's where I was headed with the end of that. I'm like, I didn't want to get all, uh, what's his name, Jordan Peterson on, but like, what does, what do you mean by style? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't want to get all like existential on this, but. I think that if, okay, I think my heart was in the place where you, with music, you wrote whatever came out. Mm-hmm. I never sat back and said, you know what bands are doing well, let's do that too. It, right. it would make no sense. I never, for a second, and looking back on it, I never had with that band, I was together with them the whole time, same guys, uh, mm-hmm. for, for like 11 years, and we never once, I can only think of it looking back, but none of us ever said, let's go do this song. Or like, here's a song that sounds like this. We should be doing this. We never had management that said that to us, oddly. We weren't very good at managing, but the, the other the rest of it was kind of like that. It was, uh, yeah. Are there some, I, I mean, I was thinking guitarist, but I guess it could be vocalist or, or anybody. Or like if a song came on the radio, you'll know who that is without the DJ saying it like early on, you know, nobody was doing what Eddie Van Halen was doing when he started doing it. Everybody started doing it. Yeah, absolutely. Heck, I'm still trying to do it. Uh, (laughs) Some of those are, it's very uh, innovators. They get picked up. Uh, Right. Just something new to catch. Everybody else just enjoys that new thing. And then somebody else, too many things meld in that little perfect apex just boom pop out a little musician that just mixes everything perfectly but yet is able to push it to the next level right there's there are some next level players really coming out i think that's what happens when you throw a prodigy into a pot and mix it in with a bunch of youtube videos and access to anything they could possibly ever want as far as information and some of these players are otherworldly what they're capable of now it's so that's I'm seeing as like that's a nice big next step into keeping guitar alive at least right 
Well, who who are some of those? Who who are some of the ones you enjoy? It could be from you know current or from growing up. They, so yeah, they would have had a certain sound to them. I don't. I guess what I was saying is I don't think going after sound is the obviously the right way. Right. Because then you're chasing something that's not authentic and that burns out. It, eventually, you will run out of material, or you know. So. But you're right. You can identify somebody by, you know, it's the old saying is like, give Jimi Hendrix a piece of garbage guitar. He's going to sound like Jimi Hendrix. Right. It doesn't matter what the, the gear is very low on the list when it comes to the style of somebody coming through it. There could be a tool that helps a musician do that. But at the end of the day, it's their hands, right? The musicians that do it, the ones that have caught my ear over the years I love, geez. Uh, that's a hard one. But what's your favorite song? <laughs> it's a tough because uh, you you I, I leapfrog from them and I come back and I use each one of them, whoever it is, for inspiration. Um, when I'm feeling low in the gas tank for it, right. so I just go start searching, right? Um, right? But I love I I really the Chili Peppers were my first guitar. Rage Against Machine, Chili Peppers, Radiohead, all the um mid 90s stuff primus bass and guitar and so those right when i started playing they were very unique players i felt like this wasn't classic rock it wasn't it wasn't glam rock anymore it was just somebody broke the seal on you can do whatever you want now Mm -hmm. hell it might have been nirvana that basically you know kind of ushered everybody out the door with the long hair and stuff it was uh, (laughs) It was a complete change. You didn't have to shred, and it, uh, it was m- more about the feel and emotion of a song than it was the the ability to play how fast and whatnot. Right. So, it certainly democratized rock and roll on some yeah. level. I, I like that it opened things a bit, just yeah. to be yourself and play whatever you want. And now you stand a chance. You don't have to put the spandex on. I mean, you don't have to <laughs> act a certain way or act a certain way. Give it everything you got yourself and this it's it's possible now and uh, but the style of the playing yeah it would have been Hendrixy kind of sounding John Fushante stuff but I mean good lord there's I I still have students to go you know ask me about the music in the nineties and mm-hmm. it's funny to look back at it, it was like that was my teens I, I but it was uh it was good we knew there was good music then it was for me anyway it was like everybody complained there's no good music everybody says this all the time like there's a always good new music it's just the pool's a little deeper you get a dive now but you know it's the the top of the the stuff that floats to the top doesn't seem to shine as strong anymore it's so saturated but these days oh uh, my favorite just to watch is uh tosa nabasi plays with uh, the band animals as leaders and Mm -hmm. it's it's a three-piece instrumental and usually on a seven or eight string and Mm -hmm. the techniques uh, they use are unbelievable. Again, it's not something I'd throw in my car and blast while I'm driving down the street with <laughs> my arm out the side. It's a, you know, but right. it just stirs the musician and you so bad. It just gets all the complex like syncopations going. You're it's like you're sitting there tapping to your steering wheel and all the, 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 the clicker as it's going. It just gets your music flowing. So I love musicians like that, whether you know, the style, his sound got him to the forefront. It was just an incredible ability and style. And I think, 
I, I hope to this day still the cream of the crop float to the top you know like yeah when they were good you got noticed it was uh now it's just it's incredible what's out there i'm not knocking now i love now right i love then but i love now it's uh i can learn it, anything i want right in seconds here right and and good or you know i guess good good thing bad thing i don't know there's just as a consumer there's more of it to wade through to find the good stuff yes it, exactly yeah that's about country i hate when people knock country and i feel right. it's like oh, i don't like country I'm like dude you probably don't have a lot of memories maybe with your parents having it or it just you just didn't grow up with it there's there's no connection like right. kind of like the connection where somebody says you see a new song and if if somebody you disliked showed it to you and you're like, how do you feel before you turn that song on? Have you already judged it? Or one of your best friends says, you have to listen to this song. All of a sudden you've gone, oh, I can't wait. This is probably really going to be good. It's that same kind of like apprehensive, like, I don't know the country. But like, number one, it's a huge pile to sift through. There's oh, more yeah. out there than anything else. So it's just their gems are in there. It's just, it's, uh, I don't know. It's, there's so much music good. There's some for everyone, man. Uh, this. Really quickly right. back to style. That is just doing your own thing for a very long time. Right. Taking other people's and it just gets mixed up by accident. Right. <laughs> really. So what so let's apply it to photography then. What okay. what are your My, what is your own what are what are you drawn to, I guess, photographically that that kind of contributes to your own style? my first one and i did it with music and it's kind of like the way i filter through the music i listen to with with photography i created a photo like right away when i first started getting into it i, I made a, a folder on my computer and i as i was online surfing through photos different photography and i was just getting in photography i would actually i had the file named stuff i don't like <laughs> right right and i would just mm -hmm. A jerk reaction like oh god i hate that not don't analyze it much just don't like it don't like it and i would just right click these and save them to this folder all day long so i was able to really look back and i would do the same for stuff i really liked like really top of the took my breath away stuff i made a folder of that mm -hmm. you just look back at both of them just take a big old breath and stare at about 200 photos you hate <laughs> <laughs> i guess that come out weird uh yeah. but you know, it's, it's, you start seeing the common denominators. You're like, wow, I thought I really loved HDR. I don't yeah. think I could. Uh, <laughs> come if, you know, like selective color, black and white, where the umbrella is blue. And I'm like, oh, that's something I don't think I liked either. And it was cool. It was just, it really, and you kind of doing that internally as you walk around and shoot. I think the right. style, it, I shoot less. My finger hits the button less because I think when I'm walking about, and since I basically lived with a 50 on my camera, I, mm -hmm. you are kind of curating on the walk. You're, you can already see it. You're saying, why, why am I going to lift this to my face? I already know what this looks like. I've taken that shot. I know what it looks like in HP5. I know what it looks like in digital. Right. I know what it looks like in four by five. I've done them all. And so you're <laughs> walking the same neighborhood going, I, I don't have to lift the camera. I'm just waiting for the thing that makes my heart jump or whatever, that little spike of like, whoa, there it is. Yeah. And yeah. And that's kind of what I, that's the only way I know to shoot is just wait for that moment to hit where you feel it. And right. something lines up. If I feel that, I stop and then work it out with music. Mm -hmm. it, 
it was the same thing. It's like I would save the songs I loved. I loved saving all uh, the licks uh, that I wanted to learn. So you had to compile a list of the stuff you clearly are enjoying, but I didn't save a bunch of songs I didn't like. <laughs> <laughs> right. Here, I got to listen to all this crap. I'm going to find out why. I <laughs> you know, and there's there are very few like songs that, you know, I would just be like, shut that off. You know, like, right. Like, I'm going to try to appreciate it at first, something, you know, learn something, have a takeaway from it. It could be anything. Right. Well, you mentioned the 50 millimeter lens, and that was something I was going to ask yeah. you about too, because that's. That's sort of my go-to as well. Any camera I've got, I've got a 50 for it or the or the equivalent. So, I mean, yeah. not th not that the 50 needs any one defending it, but what kind of what is your why why do you feel like you lean on it? I don't know. Uh, I think it just hit that sweet spot of I can nail it wide enough, mm -hmm. but. I can it still gives me that slight bit of telephoto just a little bit to do the heavy i it's like a just boca 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 everything i was doing is like just i'm gonna blow out everything and everything's gonna look like a dream so <laughs> I, I i don't think i shoot anything that's not like wide open um mm -hmm. but that that's phasing i'm fading i'm phasing that out uh to yeah. like i will literally go to whatever it's most wide open is and i mm -hmm. feel like if i just click back one It'll just give me that little instant bit of sharpening back up and contrast. Right. So that's usually where I ride around with a 50 on the front. I had a 5512 uh, last two weeks ago. It was a lot of fun. That mm -hmm. was, uh, but it was really big. So I was like, nope, uh, just not going to do that. Uh, <laughs> I, I have really severe uh, carpal tunnel and mm -hmm. a tennis elbow in both arms. Oh, no. It lighters better. Lighters oh, better. yeah. Yeah, and it turns out I played too much or something. I don't know. <laughs> but well, and it is small and cheap. Yeah, yeah, and it may have been that fifty-five. I was going to ask you. I don't. I don't know when oh. you took when you took them, but what you've posted recently was some vintage lens work on digital, right? Is that is that something you've been doing more recently? Yeah, that's exactly. I think I got I got really behind. And still am on the backlog and film. Uh, mm -hmm. Found I wasn't inspired to hop out my door and go do it anymore. I I don't do anything until that 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 kind of that, that twinge of excitement is there. I, I don't go to walk out and hope that it kicks in. I don't right. think I'm capable of that. I think it's just more or less uh, I go out with a purpose. So I, I'm feeling it. But lately, I just I can't. I don't have the time. I literally just or the inspiration to sit by my sink. I used to do it as my relaxing thing to do, and I got a uh, I got an offer for um, to buy a an infrared converted black and white Sony. Okay. And first, it was full frame, and it was uh, black and white with a twist. Right. It's going to be much more dramatic in the summer, I imagine. But I've been really enjoying shooting it in this weather because it it just gives you like where the heck's that light coming from kind of a vibe. <laughs> right. It, 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 yeah, it, it, so it's, uh, and it's a surprise to me too, because I'm not quite, well, A, the back screen doesn't work. <laughs> so uh, everything's through the viewfinder and my okay. eyes are, my eyes are terrible, to be honest. Mm -hmm. I, I have to go see a eye doctor, but everything's kind of, I'm just doing the, you know, when you squint or maybe you look at one of your photos as a uh, 
thumbnail, just you can kind of just get a better idea of composition and what you're looking at and shapes and shades. And right. That's what I, my eyes are kind of doing. I'm kind of I'm inadvertently squinting half the time to kind of see in the finder, but it's blurry ish. So I'm really working with just shapes and you know, uh, right, darkness and lightness, and, and I'm always hoping that when I get home, I can. I have sharp images to be honest it's all focus peaking with the with the sewing so it's, right. uh, yeah it's have, been a lot of fun it gets me at the door and i really enjoy the black and white yeah have, have you had you used an electronic viewfinder before or was that yeah i have a i've uh i've had a couple of fujis for the okay. uh for basically the music school here we use them for video primarily okay. and i you know it was more or less to uh, i i would shoot that a lot adapt lenses because that's fun as heck right uh, and but the big thing was just to kind of like stretch your legs and i would put like a 24 to 70 mm -hmm. on the front of it just iso like two to five billion and just walk <laughs> I got, oh i got color and black and white and this and that i could do anything and i just shoot 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 and it stretches your photographic legs again it just gets right. rid of the system like just aim at anything go back home remember what you don't like you, you know just that was I used that a lot for that, right? So other than that, digital now it wasn't. Uh, I just lost. I lost a lot of digital work. Uh, my first probably four years of photography was mm. uh, on one of like a thousand gig drive, and just went kaput. I should have had a triple, quadruple backed up, but it was one right. of those things. I sincerely was like, okay, I'm going over to the computer store. I'm getting a second drive because this one's been on for a while here, and right. And I went to open the icon on my screen and wouldn't open. I had some people take a look at it and uh, it, yeah, so that was really disappointing. Oh yeah, for sure. So that was what kind of kicked the film bug in the butt, I think. I just thought if I can put this in a book, you know, like, because losing a hard drive is the equivalent of like a house fire. It's just done. Right. Sorry, your photos are all gone, you lose, go home. And right. uh, film, you know, it's hopefully it's something my kids can pull out of a box and see themselves through me one day. You know, that thing will be there. I just actually stand in uh, a lot of my great grandfather and my grandfather's uh, uh, all their Kodachrome. Oh, uh, wow. Slides and just boxes of them. Actually, the boxes are just up there and on my shelf. And it's all, it's just like popping up of stuff like my mother when she mm -hmm. was like four and oh, her house. And it's just, and they're so vibrant. Oh yeah. Scan them in here and just pop, pop, pop. This I, I do anything to get that those those colors. I really honestly I've seen some simulations, but those when you actually have a Kodachrome slide in your hand, oof. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. It is <laughs> awesome. And I've I was working on I, I've still got plenty more to go through, but I borrowed sort of my mother's old boxes of uh, not slides but negatives that i was scanning last year and that's man talk about taking you down memory lane Crazy, Just, right? it is it's yeah. awesome but but and to your other point about it though you know i we've got those negatives those aren't ever going to be subject to a hard drive crash no that's the classic you know it's like They'll be here for as long as at least we're here and hopefully a couple more generations. And that'd be the, the problem, I think, is now that, I, you know, it would be nice if your 
you, you dig into a box and you find out your dad was a photographer, a film photographer, and he's like, hey, there's some slides. And there's maybe like two little boxes. Mm-hmm. But when they find out what the hell we shoot, yeah. they find that I have about five, 400 foot rolls of film in my fridge and I mm-hmm. don't have really good organizational skills. <laughs> it's it's not going to be good. Right. I, think, I think a lot of us probably can relate to that. I just... I put a little small pile to the side and then I kind of push the other ones the next day up against it. And next thing I know, I've just got this mounting pile that I just <laughs> I'll pile it as high as before they fall, then I'll create another pile next to that. And I just had a yeah, I don't want to talk about it. It was in a, it's all in a box right now. And <laughs> kind of like the equivalent of my big like we were talking like a big phone drop whenever you you know, you fill your phone completely up about 10 years ago and you'd be like, okay, big own dump number or april 3rd you put it on your computer and it's like you know, two years worth of everything you've ever put on it and that's what that box is it's a lot of stuff if somebody is willing to i scan most of it but right uh, it's uh that's that's you know susceptible to a crash again right so well that is... <laughs> well we've been mixing in a little gear talk here with the lenses and the cameras and and you mentioned earlier this you know this idea of selling a guitar to buy a lens and then buying you know selling cameras to get a guitar kind of, kind of what's been your history of gear as it relates to music and photography have you gotten rid of stuff you wish you still had and are there any favorites of either you'd never get rid of all of the above <laughs> I, I feel like uh it's i have a you know not to like display i have pretty strong adhd and i'm i in like i get this obsessive compulsive if i don't get this thing mm-hmm. everything's ending and it's, it's the only place my brain's at and i just one after another and something catches my eye and uh it's on to the next so when i first started and i was just playing in a band the funniest part was I didn't care what I was playing as long as it worked that night. I gen- I didn't know about guitars. I had a bass and I knew that I liked it because it was blue and I <laughs> it. And it was a Fender jazz bass. Right. I bought it because I picked it up in the necklace dinner. Mm-hmm. Um, that was about it. It was a it was a narrower neck and when you're gigging three, four hours a night with three or four sets, that like the I guess the precision bass, the necks would just wear on my hands. I love them, but I they're too much in my hand for that that much playing uphill, and so I started with that, and that was that one got broken at a gig. So I went out the next day and bought another jazz bass, just grabbed it off the rack. I looked at, it, I was like, "That's a cool color," and I just, <laughs> I don't remember really doing anything other than that. Right. Um, so that was it wasn't until I wasn't playing as a professional like gigs every night that I stopped playing started teaching and i just started getting into guitars and vintage guitars and all that so nothing started like that until probably almost like 15 16 years after i was playing i, I just i don't remember like lusting after guitars that was just never a thing which is mm-hmm. weird that lust after like all that stuff now and and camera gear to right uncomfortable level it's uh you know it's <laughs> It can fill, but it fills in the it fills in the gaps. It's part of the ride. It's you know when students I I have will they'll get uninspired or photography, but people like friends of mine just get uninspired. I'm like just change up the gear or look into gear. It just it's part of the hobby. You know, a lot of people will say I'm like right. I'm 
I have two hobbies. I'm a, I'm a camera collector, a guitar collector, and I'm a musician or a photographer. <laughs> right. Hopefully those don't, you know, I don't accidentally sell my damn good camera for work. <laughs> you know, it's, it's always that uh, tilt. I have a hard time balancing those two worlds very well. Right. It happens by accident occasionally. Uh, but uh, <laughs> when I started, I started teaching photography here, I eventually just had to, I'm like, might as well teach it. We do, I do all the photography for all this stuff here. And a bunch of people were asking, and I had students who were asking about the film cameras. So I'd have right. a shelf up behind me. And I, oh man, I, I just, we were, I would just start collecting all these cameras. You become the, hey, that guy has, you, you, you like film, right? And like, and you get like little boxes of all kinds of cameras. <laughs> I'm like, right. I have so many of them. I loved seeing how excited kids were getting here. I'm like, just take it. Mm-hmm. Like, even if you sit at home and go, and right. just kind of, I'm like, go do that. It'll be awesome. And uh, <laughs> I was just collecting cameras like that for a while. I started teaching it here. It balanced me out a little bit more. Right. Uh, it's uh, the gear, the, the camera gear went hard because I was, I it would just sit there online investigating everything. Just everything mm-hmm. about anything, anything that had a number or a decimal, I was like, let me just open 47 windows here. <laughs> I don't care what time it is. We're going to sit down and read this because I'm going to be able to do the photographer thing tomorrow morning. And it was uh, <laughs> obsessive with that. The gear, I started digital on photography. Mm-hmm. Right? It was just, I traded a Stratocaster for one. Uh, <laughs> I literally put a, I was like, I think I need like, like I remember like air quote, like I need a good camera. I need a, uh, the ones that click when I press the button. That was my <laughs> idea for professional camera. Like, cause I was like, I, my wife bought me a little Canon sure shot thing at one point for Christmas. And it was just for catching photos of the kids. But the damnedest thing is that's the last thing it did. Like it couldn't catch anyone because you hear a beep and I'd have all these photos of like a foot leaving the screen or you hold it remember that focus and that horrible moment where everybody runs over to you asking if you've got it right and so i I borrowed my uncle's i just picked it up one day he had a canon rebel xt i think it was xd one of those the original canon digitals i picked up i pressed the button and it the fire the shutter fired instantly Mm -hmm. wow that was i think that was like literally what sold me on photography in that moment i was like okay that was we'll do that and uh i bought one you know, I've traded my Stratocaster, just put out, I need a good camera. And nice. so I had a Nikon D200 he was willing to part with. And I put a 50 millimeter on that. And that was like my ride or die for a couple of years. <laughs> right. Like literally, I was kind of settled with it. I didn't know what else was out there at the time. When you first started photography, it's kind of a, it's like starting with trombones. I wouldn't even know where to start. I'm like, what, do I go get valve oil? Should I do that? Like, you kind of hang out with this one thing for a while, very limited knowledge, and, and then it hits you like, oh, there's bigger frames. I think I need this. And then you on and on about, you know, it, it's part of the fun. That's what it I talk to. I mean, people tease me because I get into things so, so hard and obsessed. Right. But I'm like, how else, you, how else do you? learn about something so quickly that's no, right but the enjoyment of the gear it's it plugs the holes for me now it's like if i'm not really feeling like working really hard on something in particular i get all bummed down I'm like well i can't do photography today i don't feel like it's raining but like well go go get one of your books when uh, something with all your like photos your friends have done go clean the cabinet go look up a lens there's always that other thing to keep my head in that photography world 
and still give you the uh, dopamine hit you need all day. Text <laughs> <laughs> to people about, you know. Right. And the Facebook groups are awesome, right? That's it's, it's so cool to see, like, just simply, like, what are you guys shooting this weekend? And just seeing everybody pitching in and that everybody else is doing something that it feels like sometimes it's our thing, right? Like, we're exactly. And then all of a sudden, like, I feel like a huge community and that's when the music community like you started doing these I'm like oh my gosh like it really does make you feel not alone because <laughs> exactly you know, i remember exactly. like playing back to jody's uh farmers and like, it was just it's really cool to people getting on the road doing the same thing picking up cameras like damn this is it's kind of like seeing my alternate life a uh, couple, <laughs> couple left turns and a right turn i might have been in you know right it, to see where other people took it it was it was hearing people's other experiences uh, i never i mean i started when i started teaching i really got into photography i'd already been teaching guitar for quite a while and i remember just when i was learning photography everything i was learning was like i was like how this is just like music like this is just like music and this is just like music this is the, all the photography things that related to it um mm -hmm. just the way i was learning it or how less is more or it's kind of like you learn all these rules and i always kind of think of it in music as like a painting you can simply paint a yellow sun in the corner and you can put the square house with a triangle on in front right. and and you know how to do that it's you know but if what if to understand theory and understand the mechanics and photography of what makes a good photograph gives you this great leg up because you're kind of like you, you know it's already been done uh you can uh uh how do i even word that it's like if i intentionally want a purple tree and you paint that it's like okay like in music like you can paint that purple tree but you better like it's best to know what that reaction from the listener is going to be you may love those dissonant sounding diminished chords but maybe you won't be on the top 20 this week like it, right it, your decisions properly you got it's cause and effect you so as far as like photography is like yeah go take the you know picture of the front end of a cat and people will like that but if you take a picture of the back end of the cat because you're being artsy you might not get as much <laughs> be selective know what the, the effect is going to be and that's why i i get a lot of students in music going i don't i don't want to do the music theory i don't want to understand it it's going to interfere with me just kind of figuring and you know they're finding the notes for myself right my ear but i'm like there are so many artistic decisions to be made on the other side of understanding maybe like the key of a song understanding the family of chords that are a song of, because then it's just like somebody displaying all the paintbrushes and paints in front of you going this all works together man you just now it's like george martin and the beatles like here's a handful of chords boys <laughs> I swear to go together go get in that room for half an hour and come back <laughs> it's you're given the tools that work but if you know how and why they work then i mean there's so much i'm saying like just instead of chasing chords and figuring out what works why don't you find out what's technically right and then work backwards from there and you can just destroy whatever you want after that right and i just think so many it's Finding out where your baseline, the skeletal frame is, and then working up from there. You can mess things up once you have a base. It's 
it's kind of like uh, I remember reading somewhere when I was in the obsessive mode when I was first learning photography that a lot of people, you know, uh, not uh, on our side of the earth, when they when they study photography or any of those arts, they go right to the masters first. That's what you're taught. You learn how the masters did this, so you know. Instead of going, I got a camera. I got to do something different than everyone else. Like, oh my right. god, like, I'm going to be different. Then people will know me. And I don't really care what it looks like, but as long as people say, you know, I'm making a statement. It's like, <laughs> that's, it, it's so we're so geared to make a big splash that it's uh, you're kind of stumbling in the dark a little bit. I mean, you're like, I, I just made this up. You're like, no, somebody in 1879 did that like a few times, and like people have done it better since then. Right. So you, if you have the history, you know what's been done. You right. Learn from it. And, what I do with music, I I simply am looking for takeaways from listening to a song, learning a song, especially learning a song. If I can, to any musicians listening, is go learn a solo from another instrument because mm -hmm. it was not made for your instrument, and they don't care where your fingers need to go or can't go. Right. So go on the guitar, go learn a saxophone solo or piano. Go learn like a, a tuba. I want to say tuba. <laughs> How many tubas, saxophones? They probably have to wait till the bass saxes, uh, bass solos got done. Right. The, the tuba, but no, it's it's uh, yeah, that's a, that's a huge one for as far as style. If I kind of hark back to that, it was like go learn other people's stuff, find out some takeaways from it, and get inspired by. Because it. it's just you. We all get the same scales, right? It's like you get you get the guitar, and you learn this your minor pentatonic scale. You get this one pattern, and you're like instead of just kind of staring at it, just like go listen to a Hendrix song be like, well, what'd you do with it? <laughs> you know, like, oh, <laughs> look at the Muddy Waters album. You're like, well, you got the same shape. There was a day Muddy Waters was sitting on his couch going, ah, oh, damn, like, okay, this shape, I want to, you're, you're, it's just like learning your alphabet going, okay, now speak. You know, it's, right. those are, you know, it's the, your letters to form words and sentences and phrases and thoughts and feelings. And you get caught up in the music theory and I, I get the people that's why people kind of back away from that but right that's my head's that way because i teach I, I, i'm always trying to encourage people to know that there are music whisperers out there that can get <laughs> the across without being I've, i had one teacher once i remember just sitting there in the lesson staring i'm just kind of nodding and thinking very deeply like i guess you're too stupid for music i guess this is it like <laughs> Because it was genuine, it was a very genuine feeling going that you just opened so many doors. Mm -hmm. This is so fast. I'm following you, but I'm following. It's it's like the more you know, the more you realize you don't know kind of syndrome. Right. It just made me feel horrible. I'm like, I thought I knew what I was doing. And I'm like, clearly, there's so much out there. I felt like it was just too deep. So my right. biggest thing teaching is just keeping the uh, bite size, everything bite size. <laughs> right. You know. Well, I know you've got a class coming up here shortly, um, but I, I did have one last question I wanted to ask you because it seems like you're in a unique position to be able to give some, some to shed some light on this, right? So you've, I know you did wedding photography for a while, so yeah. you've actually earned money doing music and photography, yeah. and you know people will just 
maybe not people into music and photography, but just general population people will say, you know, do something you love and you never work a day in, uh, in your life. And other people will say, well, if you do something you love for money, you're going to ruin you, your enjoyment of that thing. <laughs> I, I just what's been your experience with those things? I've done both. I, I've right. literally done both. I don't mean I've done both. I mean, I've done both. I've loved the thing I made money from, and it's made me hate it as well. Right. Uh, I absolutely adore teaching. The way I'm doing it right now, mm -hmm. it's kind of the way we always did music. We're the, the lady who runs the school and myself become best friends over the last almost 20 years of running the place. And we do this way, this place the way we want, the way we think music should be, as in like no competition, no anything like that. So that is kind of a neat thing that keeps me afloat here because it's so it's such a great musical environment here. With photography, I couldn't see how wedding photography could possibly taint my love of photography. If anything, it was going to embrace all the things I loved about wedding photography. But one of the parts I didn't like about wedding photography is the fact that I have crippling anxiety when it comes to being in an awkward situation where I will, <laughs> uh, if I'm on stage, I got a guitar and mm -hmm. I'm out of your reach and you can't talk to me. I, I get comfortable up there. I walk into the crowd, I'm done. It kind of right. shakes me up pretty bad. Uh, I'd rather not stop all night. The wedding photography, um, unfortunately, yeah, I, I thought, you know, I was doing, right before that, I was doing a lot of the, uh, like, family stuff and kids and just, like, lifestyle kind of stuff, I guess they call it now, right? Like, right. I, it was, and that was, I remember saying that a while ago. But I remember that when I started doing that, I got into that. It was... I was the only guy doing it I know of. There was the whole area had a lot of people, a lot of photographers doing the kind of on the fly lifestyle stuff. And I, I didn't know anything about it. I kind of liked the look of it when I was looking online and the fun of it and realized mm -hmm. I'm the only guy doing this. Maybe it would be really great if I was a, a woman doing this. Maybe the kids would be more, I don't know, I'd relax. This would be going better or whatever. I, I right. don't I'm doing it because I have five kids and I don't mind getting down and getting crazy with them. Kind of challenged anyway, but when it went to wedding, the it was it was beyond stress. So in, I think we only did about I did my wife would always come with me, and I think I did about maybe ten over mm -hmm. a couple of years. And I, I've done them recently just because they're friends, and they said, "Hey, it's on a beach with a cabin and a you know like oh oh yeah, of course I'll do that." Right, uh, friends, but. I literally got to the point where when I knew I had weddings booked, I would picture how badly it would go pretty much every day until it happened, until the day of. Right. And I just, I can't not ride myself like that. It's, it's you know, self-preservation. You're kind of like anticipating everything go wrong, but I think a screw's loose in there somewhere because it would just be on rotate and it would just make me nauseous. I'm like, I, when somebody actually said the word photographer, I would shudder like a little bit. It would just make me, my stomach would turn because it reminded me uh, my office upstairs where I edited and everything. I remember like going to the bathroom that's right next to it and literally one day putting my hand up next to my face where they had to go over it. Didn't want to feel it. And right. the last day, I never picked up a camera except for the weddings doing that. But the last day I delivered my last wedding, it mm -hmm. came back like a flood and it, I yeah. loved it. It Every I knew the pressure was off, and I just went so haywire. I sold all my wedding equipment, went full in on 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 film cameras, and I just 
trying everything. You know, it was just, it was, so it, it ruined it. Uh, it felt like it was bad. I didn't like it. I don't, you know, but that's just one neurotic guy's opinion about doing those. I right. you know yourself whether you're going to shine in that moment or, you know, because you realize really quickly that you're not just there to shoot a wedding. You're there to live with this woman for about a day and be there a not seen b helpful as hell but c not seen <laughs> right it's really rough i'm like i'm like i get kind of a little bit anxious around you know groups of people i'm like how am i doing this and i think that was where i stopped doing going like how have i gone from being on stage playing to i'm in this field with a bunch of children that don't want to be here yelling and parents are trying to fix their hair and so i'm like this is a I think I took the wrong turn. I, this isn't good. So I'm going to back out of this now. And I stopped doing them. And like I said, everything came rushing back. It didn't ruin it permanently. Just tainted it for a bit. And it was right. just a way. I can take on paid stuff. And I still do. Or family stuff or whatever. I love doing that stuff. It's calm. It's relaxed. It's no pressure. It can be redone if your card or film ties. <laughs> right. Biggest one. It's like if it's done. I think I would. I was just replaying, having to call the bride over and over with telling there's nothing there. Right. That was, it was literally my biggest fear. I was prepping myself the night before a wedding, and as one does, they look up horror stories about things that could possibly go wrong at weddings. So I didn't <laughs> anticipate them going wrong. And the big one was one one person got home, took the card that they'd been using that night, put in the computer, started uploading, and the icon started popping up. And then they started erasing and they all vanished. And that was the end of the card. Um, and wow. that night I had to call the bride go, everything's gone. Everything. I have nothing, I guess, to, oh. and I, I couldn't imagine it. It's right. not something my soul can handle. Uh, right. Not happening. So I wanted to, I tend not to do things like that, but I don't have to <laughs> You know, as, as long as you're kind of calling the shots, it's a, it's neat to be able to do something you love every day. I, I honestly, yeah. I, I don't know what I'd do without this place. Uh, right. Music like that. It's, I literally wait. I go to bed on Sunday nights anticipating how much I enjoy my Mondays. Right. That's mental. You know, I don't think that's, <laughs> and I don't even no. say that normally out loud to people because they just want to punch you. I don't know a lot of people. <laughs> like, oh, no. you know, that's fantastic. Tell me what you do while I'm at work. That's awesome. <laughs> Right. No, that's not the common experience that I hear, for sure. Trying so hard to keep the dream alive. You know, I just uh, I, I just kind of keep dropping anything I don't like, and I keep aiming really hard at things I do enjoy. And I, so far, I'm almost 50, and I've pretty much avoided doing things that I think would make me not want to wake up on Monday morning. Right. You know, just well, that is, just that diving sounds in. like a very, yeah. That's a very charmed life, it sounds like to me. See, I can't say it to people. It sounds bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, Mark, <laughs> yeah. Well, Mark, this has been great. And you mentioned, you know, the communities earlier. And definitely you were the, one of the folks who reached out to me when I started doing these chats very early on with encouragement. And so I really do appreciate that as well and appreciate your time today and, and wow. sharing your story and experiences thank you so much for having me on i i hope it in babylon I, I i do i i do feel very passionately about these two subjects being combined and it's fun to listen to all the other people we've had on and and, and riding along with them so i can't wait to kind of hear some more 
Yeah, definitely. So to, how can people get in touch or follow along with what you've been up to? I'm pretty uh, vacant. I'm getting back on my Instagram. I kind of tilted hard towards music. So the Instagram kind of went quiet, but I'm uh, Mark Wellsford. I think I'm Mark underscore Wellsford, possibly. Mm-hmm. Jeez, somebody should pick that name, like actually spell the word underscore and just mess with everyone. <laughs> That's funny. Basically there and same, just my name on uh, on Facebook. Yep. Okay. I'm in some of the groups. I've just been i been really quiet. Uh, I see it all pass by me every day. And I'm just, when you're, your head's in one world, you don't want to give anyone that you normally talk to less than all of you, I guess, I feel. Right. I don't want to, you know, if I'm not beyond the photography i'm really into music then i'm i I tend to go silent online so it's uh i'm 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 feeling it again man i'm back i'm back (laughs) i'm just almost here at these great months you can just go right away and uh we'll get get back out in the sun i'll get my infrared maybe i'll go uh infrared to uh, film this summer too that'll be very cool oh yeah definitely that that would be very cool yeah very cool but thanks again, Mark. I really do appreciate it. Thank you, Billy. Yeah. Special thanks again to Mark Wilsford for taking some time out to talk with me about his life with music and photography. Do check out the show notes and give him a follow. Thanks also to Mike Gutterman for our theme song, Timeless. Mike makes music available for content creators on his Bandcamp page at mikegutterman.bandcamp.com. Also check out the cassettes he's offering on the merch section of the page. If you'd like to get in touch with the Sunny16 team, you can do so at sunny16presents at gmail.com. And taking a page out of John Whitmore's book, always try and be a decent human being.